Welcome to the NASPP's Equity Expert Podcast Series. My name is Kathleen Cleary, and I'm the Education Director for the NASPP. Today, our podcast is entitled Issues and Mistakes in Counting the Vote, and we'll be speaking with Keith Bishop from Alan Matkins. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that this podcast is actually just one of a series of great podcasts on interesting and educational topics primarily related to equity and careers in equity. You can access the entire podcast series at nasdp.com forward slash equity experts, and that's all one word. And you can also subscribe to the podcast series, and then you'll get an email whenever we post a new episode. So as I mentioned, today we'll be speaking with Keith Bishop, who's a partner in the Orange County, California office of Alan Matkins. He represents clients in a wide range of corporate and securities transactions and regularly advises clients on compliance, licensing, regulatory, and civil enforcement issues in connection with internal corporate investigations, including investigations of stock option backdating, executive misconduct, and securities fraud. Keith previously served in the position of Commissioner of Corporations and Interim Savings and Loan Commissioner for the State of California. He also served as Deputy Director and General Counsel to the California Business, Transportation, and Housing Agency, and has served as a member of the California Senate Commission on Corporate Governance, Shareholder Rights, and Securities Transactions. Keith is a co-author of a treatise on the corporate law of Nevada, a contributor to Marsh's California Corporation Law, and a practice consultant to Marsh and Volk practice under California securities laws. He's a frequent speaker on securities and corporate law topics. He writes a blog, calcorporatelaw.com, which focuses on California and Nevada corporate law and federal and state securities law issues. Keith currently teaches securities regulation at the University of California, Irvine School of Law, where he also taught administrative law. Welcome to the podcast, Keith. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's go ahead and get started. Maybe we should lay some sort of general groundwork. So why is it important to describe shareholder voting requirements accurately? We all, of course, want to have our proxy statements as accurate as as possible. And the failure to accurately describe the voting requirement for a uh, proposal to the stockholders can mean that the uh, something you thought passed actually didn't pass, but the consequences can be pretty dramatic. For example, a few years ago, an energy company was uh, seeking approval of some allocations of uh, equity to a bonus pool, and a stockholder brought suit, alleging that the company had failed to properly count abstentions when it was uh, describing the vote required. The company ultimately settled the investor lawsuit, but as part of the settlement, they agreed to some pretty serious uh, restrictions. They agreed to limit the number of shares uh, available for compensation in the future. They agreed to defer seeking stockholder approval in the future uh, for nearly three years. And they also agreed to modify the voting standard for um, future stockholder approval. And they agreed to do that for another seven and a half years. So you can see that not getting something as basic as how to count the vote correct can lead to some pretty unpleasant consequences. 
Absolutely. No company wants to go through a shareholder lawsuit. So it's very important, obviously. So with all your experience, I mean, you've seen a lot, you've written a lot, and of course you're a teacher. What are some of the common mistakes that you see? I'm always surprised. Uh, if I go online to Edgar and I pull up proxy statements, I, I'm always surprised at uh, the errors that I see. Probably the most common mistake that I see is that the description of the required vote in the proxy statement, believe it or not, actually doesn't align with the requirement in the company's bylaws. And then sometimes I see that the company's bylaws don't align either with the company's uh, certificate of incorporation or with uh, the applicable requirement, either if the exchange requirement or um, the requirement under state law. Sort of tied to that, I often see that people are very confused about the effects of abstentions and uh, broker non-votes and whether they have any effect on the outcome. That's interesting. You would think that all of those documents would all align with each other in laying out what the company should do. So that's certainly a very basic suggestion that companies shouldn't have any difficulty complying with. I know that different companies have different voting standards, but what do you commonly see? What are some of the more common voting standards? Well, given that most companies are incorporated in Delaware, at least most publicly traded companies are incorporated in, in Delaware, you often see the Delaware default standard. So this is the standard that applies if the certificate of incorporation or bylaws don't specify a different standard. And that standard is found in Section 216 of the Delaware Code. And basically, it requires a majority of the shares present and entitled to vote for something to be approved. And the way I think about that is you divide the number of four votes uh, by the number of against and four against and abstentions. And uh, broker non-votes are not considered entitled to vote. So what that means is that um, abstentions have the vote, uh, the effect of votes against a proposal, but uh, broker non-votes do not. As I said, Delaware has a, this is the default standard. A lot of companies choose to have what I call majority of the votes cast standard. And basically that means you divide uh, the number of four votes by the number of, of four and against votes. Under this standard, basically, abstentions and broker non-votes are, are not considered votes cast, and they don't have any effect on the outcome. This is generally a easier uh, way to get something passed, and it's also um, some investor, investor activists have advocated for this kind of standard because it is easier to get things passed and therefore makes stockholder proposals easier to pass. Another standard that you often see is one that's uh, required by state law for certain fundamental changes like amending the certificate of incorporation. And that requires the affirmative vote of a majority of the outstanding shares. Under this standard, abstentions and broker non-votes have the effect of no votes. And it's a tougher standard than either the present and entitled to vote standard, that's the Delaware default standard, or the votes cast standard, which is the other standard that we frequently see. I would mention that California has 
its own kind of unique rule, and it, it, its default rule is a majority of the shares represented in voting and also requires that the shares voting affirmatively also constitute at least a majority of the required quorum. So this rule adds a little bit and gives limited effect to abstentions and broker non-votes because they could, uh, if you have a lot of abstentions or broker non-votes, that even though something passes that you still not may not have enough votes to constitute a majority of the required quorum. Keith, you described some different voting standards, the more common ones, and some of the differences as well. Anything else in particular that sets these standards apart from each other, other ways that they might differ? The big difference is what I've uh, mentioned, which is the effect of um, abstentions and broker non-votes. And there's a lot of confusion. An abstention is basically somebody who shows up at the meeting, either in person or proxy, but chooses uh, not to vote on a matter. So they're there, they're they're not voting. A broker non-vote is basically when somebody holds shares in street name, they're a customer of a broker-dealer, and the broker-dealer either holds their shares in their name or in through CD and co. So the actual beneficial owner of the shares, the customer, doesn't have those shares as a matter of record in their name. Therefore, the broker has to either get instructions from their customer, or if they don't get customers' instructions and they're not allowed to vote in their discretion, those are considered broker non-votes. So as I said, with uh, the Delaware default standard, you have different effect. Abstentions have the effect of a vote against, but broker non-votes do not. With the majority of the votes cast, abstentions and broker non-votes are considered votes that are not cast and therefore they don't affect the outcome unless you're under the California standard. What steps would you recommend for companies to describe the vote that's required? I suspect that uh, since I see so many mistakes in, in proxy statements concerning the required vote, I suspect what a lot of people do is simply copy what was used last year or copy from some other company description. And I I think the most important thing to do is to ask yourself, why are we getting this vote? Is it because it's required by state law or is it required by our stock exchange that we're listed on? Or is it because of state securities law or uh, tax law requirements? And based on the answer to that question, then I would look at the applicable statute or listing requirement to see what vote is required for it something to be considered passed. The next thing I would always do is make sure that the company, the description conforms to the company's articles and bylaw requirements. It just always is amazing to me to see a description that doesn't even come conform to what the company's charter documents say. So the first thing to do is ask yourself, why are we getting this vote? Answering that question will guide you to the applicable listing rule or state law rule or securities law rule or tax rule, and then make sure that your description conforms with your charter documents. Well, that makes sense. That sounds like a good process to set out to ensure that you're uh, getting the appropriate vote. So we've talked about a couple different topics. Keith, is there anything that 
that I didn't ask you that we should talk about to make sure that we give a complete picture of the topic or anything that I left out that we should address for our listeners today? One of the subtleties that I would uh, mention is when we talk about a standard that refers to a majority of the shares entitled to vote, you have to be very careful. Uh, Entitled to vote on what? Sometimes the bylaws or the state law will say entitled to vote on that proposal, but sometimes they will say entitled to vote at the meeting. So the number of shares that are voted on a particular proposal in a public company is likely to be different than the number of shares that are voting at a meeting. And so that's a subtlety that I think often people miss. Another subtlety is that the stock exchange requirements, particularly the New York stock exchange requirements, do not always necessarily align with state law. For example, the New York stock exchange, unlike what I said earlier, requires a minimum uh, approval by a majority of the votes cast, which sounds like what I was talking about earlier, but the New York stock exchange under its rule treats abstentions as having the effect of no votes. So something, again, to pay attention to is what does your listing rules require for approval? Well, Keith, after listening to your expertise today, I certainly have a better understanding of why there are so many issues and mistakes in counting the votes. So I just want to tell you, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing this expertise and this knowledge with all of us today. And taking the time to speak with our listeners. So I also want to say thank you to everyone who listened in today. And just remember that you can access all the podcasts in the Equity Expert series at naspp.com forward slash equity expert. Thank you, everyone.